Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. The Koala Moon podcast has revolutionised over 20 million bedtimes, with parents like you calling it life-changing and the perfect nighttime routine. With original kids' bedtime stories and cosy sleep meditations, every episode has been specially designed to make bedtimes a dream. Listen to Koala Moon on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get them the game. With your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. See, the thing is, you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? No, f***ing geek. I, I'm f***ing like geek. Only on the VSIN Podcast Network. All right, very excited for uh, the latest edition of Harvard Handicappers. We're going to go out north and talk about a team that has quietly been playing really good basketball for like the last 14 games or so, and it ties into their health as well. So I think that's a pretty big deal. And to do that, uh, Amon Adden is with us. Yahoo Sports Canada also hosts uh, Dishes and Dimes podcast, too. You can check it out there. Uh, follow her on Twitter, uh, I-M-M-A-N underscore A-D-A-N. Uh, Amon, thank you for the time. I appreciate it. So I kind of mentioned it to you when we were talking right before we came on. So I'm, I'm a Closet Raptors supporter for, for multiple reasons. Uh, one, the, the year that they won the title, I won a little bit of money on their run to do so. So that's always good. Uh, but also they quietly, so I'm out, I'm out from Las Vegas, you know, I'm in there now, but where I'm from here, uh, I'm a big Ken Birch guy, you know, former UNLV running rebel. So I've watched him for a while now. So many ties to the Toronto Raptors, but I, I wanted to ask you this, cause I think they're the most fascinating team in the NBA. The last two years for this team has been insane. The Orlando bubble, how long they were there, the Tampa Bay experience coming back home for like three weeks. They couldn't have fans there just from the big picture standpoint. Like, I don't even know how to ask. Like, how does this team keep it together? It's been nuts. It has been so weird. And I, I don't even know that people fully understand how odd it was. Just going back to, to the game stoppage, March 11th, 2020, was it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Canada had tougher laws than the States. And the Raptors have a lot of international players. Serge Ibaka, Marcus Gasol was in Spain at the time, but Pascal Siakam. So these were guys that weren't allowed to go to America like most of the team, meaning they were just locked in their condos. They couldn't touch a basketball. They did not have a gym that they could go practice in. The Raptors facility was closed. So I don't think people recognize that like 
Pascal Siakam did not touch a basketball for four months from March to July. He just did not touch a basketball or a gym. Uh, Serge Ibaka had videos where he was showing himself working out inside of his condo because he mm-hmm. could not go downstairs. I don't know that people truly recognize that. And then the, the following season, they didn't know that they would be in Tampa until a few weeks before the season. And a lot of the guys have kids who are enrolled in school. Um, and uh, I don't know that this is known too, but the Raptors had to practice outside of a bank or inside of a banquet hall <laughs> because yep. they just didn't have a practice gym. So it's been a very strange uh, few years. And then this year they're kind of back to normal, but then they also had a few months stretch, like you just mentioned, where they didn't have fans in the arena at all. Uh, so it's been a, an interesting few few years. So let's talk about this recent stretch then, and we can tie into some of the individual players that are playing and uh, their performances up to this point. But you go back to really it starts, and this has been a consistently good team for a while, but the the hot stretch that they're on, it goes back to about March 9th, I believe, is when they really started to take shape. Uh, I think I've got them down. They won 12 out of 13, 12 out of 13, something in that range. Uh, Let's see. I got this down right here. 13 and three uh, over those 16 games. So I'll ask you this, how, how much of this is tied to just health and some continuity? Because still, OG Ananobi ha- hasn't been around very frequently. Uh, Fred Van Vliet was in and out of the lineup for a while. I think it's a sore knee. But what's been behind this turnaround over the last 16 games, you think? I do think it's a little bit of health. Um, certainly, they, they have had some injuries, and they've, they've looked really off when those two guys that you just mentioned have been gone. I would credit the one thing to Pascal Siakam's emergence. He has just been absolutely stellar. I, I want to know if I can I mean, pull up in, the, in that 16-game stretch that you just mentioned. I'm going to pull up his numbers here, but he's been absolutely spectacular for them. Just yesterday, he had a game where he had a 37-point triple-double, 37 points, 11 boards, and 12 assists against the um, Philadelphia 76. Sixers with Joel Embiid guarding him for a good chunk of that game as well so he's just been absolutely stellar for the Raptors um and and that's I'm going to credit a lot of that to him and also Scotty Barnes uh has been phenomenal for the team as well but I think they're finally getting they're finally getting healthy and and the Raptors play this like really aggressive style of defense that just has taken them a long time to get acclimated to. Um, For once, Yakum was hurt at the beginning of the season. You're working into a rookie. You're working a rookie into this uh, and a lot of new guys into the system and their defense just was not up to par for a good chunk of the year. It was so odd to talk about the Raptors as a good half court offense, which is what they were strange, Um, but a terrible defense, which didn't make sense considering their personnel, but they're finally, it's finally starting to work. And it was always just going to be a matter of them getting reps in um, and making sense of it, but, but it's working now. And that's, that's a a huge reason for their turnaround. So I I pulled them up for you Uh, over those 16 games, Pascal Siakam, 26 and a half points, 8.8 rebounds, 6.1 assists on 52.2% shooting from the floor and 37% from three. There we go. I just had it loading right here too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like what more can you say about the guy? He's just been phenomenal. Yep. Uh, he's been great. And you mentioned, yeah, yesterday's performance was uh, absolutely fun. And uh, he had one of the, he had a crazy good finish over Joel Embiid. It looked like a wild hook shot that he bounced high off the glass. And this is a guy who won most improved player of the year. So you think this kind of sticks like this, this surge in play, maybe not to this extreme level where we're talking about 26, uh, eight and seven, but do you think that this level of play is going to be pretty steady as we hit the postseason for Pascal? I think so. Like watching him more than, than just the points that he's putting up. It's the way that he's getting it. He's being doubled. I think I saw a stat today where it's like 32% of his possessions, especially considering the, the um, injuries that the Raptors have had, he's getting doubled constantly in games and his playmaking. You just mentioned it there with his assist percentage. Uh, 
has just gone up. Like you, there's, it's so rare that you can just guard Siakam right now. You cannot sag off of him. If you play him close up, he, he can just blow right by you. He's got, a, he's got the spin move that I know people like to joke about, but it is effective. Um, I've never seen him play this level of basketball, even in his most improved uh, season, even in the championship run. He was just not playing the basketball that he is playing this season. It has been spectacular. For the year, he's at 23 points. He's averaging 23 points on 49.4% uh, shooting. He's averaging 8.5 boards and 5.3 assists. And that's for the season as a whole. And that's with the first month of basketball where he looked really off working his way back from shoulder surgery. So he's actually been putting up those crazy numbers for the vast majority of the year since December 1st, if we're really looking at it. So I, I don't really see a drop off, especially because when we take a look at why he struggled so much last season, a good chunk of that was the three-point shot that just was not there. And we're starting to see that rebound. I don't know how good of a three-point shooter he'll consistently be for his career, but we're really seeing that improvement. And that's opened up so much of his game. His defense has been stellar. And the number one thing would be his playmaking. Um, that's, that's just made him deadly. Yep. So one of the, the key players is going to be uh, OG Ananobi. Should we be worried about the health? It's been pretty inconsistent with his availability uh, banged up yet again here down the stretch. Is there a worry that maybe that's going to keep him out for some games in the postseason? It's it's really odd. It was a finger injury that just all of a sudden happened. We didn't really know too much about it. I would say that's kind of been the the, the worrying thing about about OG is just he always seems to have some of these nicks and bruises and he plays so aggressive um, that it makes sense that he continues to get them. More than OG's health, I'm worried about Fred Van Vliet's. He just has not looked the same since February. That knee is very clearly bothering him, even though he's played more games than OG Ananobi. Um, it's just, if Fred doesn't have a healthy knee, don't know how far this team can truly go without him. Um, but yeah, OG is still worrying because he's he always seems to be in and out, and we just hope that he gets healthy soon. Did, did, uh, did, did uh, Fred coordinate with Drake last night with the outfit? What was that going What was going on? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, I noticed that too. I was like, oh, they look like twins. <laughs> yep. So uh, let's uh, for, let's zoom out a little bit with this team too, because there's a couple of things I want to discuss. And, and you hit one on one of them uh, in passing, which is the consistent under Nick Nurse over the last couple of seasons has been a team that's electric in transition, offensively and defensively, near the top of the league in both of those categories as years go on. Uh, solid in terms of offensive rebounding. The half-court offense, though. The half-court offense can get pretty stagnant at times. Uh, and look, actually, well, just uh, pretty frank, it looks pretty bad at times. I think right now, according to Cleaning the Glass, uh, this season they are 26th in half-court offensive efficiency. Uh, for, 90, for those listening, 91.4 points per 100 plays. So, I mean, that's pretty worrisome. What's the fix there, if anything? Because in some of these games where uh, the opponent – because there's going to be games with opponents hitting shots and you can't just grab rebounds and run, that, that seems to be a pretty big bar to climb there if that's going to hold them back. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that exactly and and that's always kind of been the, this team's problem it's been it for a long time if the Raptors are not getting stops and if the Raptors are not getting out in transition it's really going to be hard to see them match up against any of these teams um in, in the playoffs I their their half court offense is really just not going to be there they don't have enough floor spacing if you have Fred and OG out that's two of your three 
three-point shooters. <laughs> like, um, it's just so hard to have no spacing um, uh, on the team. And, and they don't really have, like Pascal Siakam is, is their sole creator in the half court that you can truly trust. Fred Van Vliet, I guess, has it, but he's also always the smallest guy on the court. Uh, Gary Trent is a little hit or miss sometimes. Um, so it, it, that's going to be the biggest thing. That's going to be their, their biggest difficulty and something that they're probably going to have to work on in the off season to, to come forward next year. Yeah, I would think too, because they're really good. They're, they're offensive rebounder in half courts, like second best in the NBA. That's the only reason why the early season numbers look good in the half court offense. They were not a good off half court offense. They just grabbed every board. <laughs> so, so I would think like, you know, like if we're talking about matchups as we get into the postseason, as they have clinched their spot, you know, smaller teams up front, like a Boston or maybe even Chicago, I think they would like to see them. Cause I'll ask you about Philly. I know you got to see them yesterday, but I think some of those smallish teams where they can probably work their offensive rebounding, I don't think they would be um, a lot of people like Boston, but I don't think they'd be quite dead in a series against like the, the Celtics. I, I don't, you know, the, the Celtics scare me not so much because of um, the offensive rebounding. I wonder what the Raptors um, rate is there. Cause they, they are a poor offensive rebounding team uh, or defensive rebounding team. I should say the, the reason why the Celtics particularly scared me for talking about playoff matchups is the, they're probably the only team that I can think of. One of the only teams Miami might have this advantage as well that can guard the Raptors without having to double team. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Raptors really rely on is your is sending the trap towards Fred or to Pascal and watching one of them make the reads and you're going to have either OG, Gary or Scotty burn you and the Celtics don't have to worry about that the Celtics can just play them straight up and not have to send the double anywhere and the Raptors really can't make them pay so it's that Celtics defense that really terrifies me in a matchup with the Raptors I think that they're probably the the team that's best equipped to play the Raptors with how well they just switch everything by the way you met one of one of also my favorite players like I said I like this Raptors team a lot Gary Trent Jr. is so grown on me like over the last couple of seasons he's (laughs) awesome right yeah. he's so much fun to watch electric when, when he's on. Yep. All right. So now we talk about a couple of these things. I'll ask you. So um, one of the things that I'm looking forward to from a betting perspective, especially after they won the other day, it does seem very likely that that four five matchup is going to be Philadelphia and Toronto and the home court gets a little bit stronger because of the vaccine mandate. And the fact that it looks like the T Bowl is not going to be able to play. Uh, and correct me on this. It's uh, two weeks out is the mandate, right? Like it's from your, from your second shot that you have to be, um, that you have to have a vaccine. Yeah, that is okay. correct. Yeah. No so, boosters necessary. Right. So, yeah. And that's, that's actually, I'm glad you said that. Cause that's been a big misconception on Twitter. A lot of people thought, Oh, maybe he's not boosted. No, it's just, if it's Johnson, Johnson's the one deuce one, you just got to get one of those. But if it's two shot one, you just got to get both. Um, so it looks like Matisse Thibel is not going to be out there. So I, I think Philadelphia is a t- like or Toronto is a terrible matchup for Philly. I think that they match up extremely well with them. Philly doesn't like to run. Toronto does. They can guard them. They can throw a double at him beat and still be perfectly fine. Harden has not been playing well. So you know, we're doing this audio. You're not in agreement. So it sounds like you agree, right? Like I think Toronto would be a very good play there in that first round against them. I, I completely agree, and I might be drinking some more of the Kool-Aid just after watching that game yesterday, but um, you, you mentioned it there. The Sixers don't like to run, and the Raptors get out in transition. I think I, I looked it up yesterday. The Sixers are the third-worst transition defense behind only the Lakers and the Rockets, which is saying a whole heck of a lot. Um, so, so that's one thing. The Raptors do like to get out there, and also – in terms of rebounding, I know we're looking at Joel Embiid as a big guy, but what I saw last night was, for one, he's not a particular, he's not one of the, you know, premier centers at rebounding. That's not something that we're, we're pointing to Joel Embiid for. But beyond that, 
he had to guard Siakam quite a bit because of how Siakam was going off. And Siakam drew him out further than Joel Embiid wanted to be. And that allowed the Raptors to feast on boards. It just so happened Pascal Siakam was hot and they didn't need to get a lot of those offensive boards, but they had them there in case they wanted it. And that's something that's going to be very scary for the, for the Sixers because I mean, if, if the Raptors are just getting that many more possessions than you, that that's going to be a problem. Also, Gary Trent, we, we talked about him a little bit. He had 30 points. And, you know, a lot of focus has been on Pascal Siakam because of the night that he had. But Gary, very not quietly, had had 30 points. And that's going to... That's 100% because Matisse Thibel wasn't there. It's the best game that Gary's had against the Sixers this season, and that's because Matisse Thibel wasn't out there giving him fits. So um, that's going to be a huge issue for the, uh, for the Sixers there. And, and then Precious Achua, I mean, I don't know what else this. I just wanted to bring him up because what mm-hmm. a game. <laughs> but um, so, so for the Raptors, I think the Sixers are a particularly bad matchup. They don't like to get out in transition. That's what the Raptors do. They're a very quick team. They gave up a lot of um, offensive boards there. And also... Joel Embiid's numbers versus the Raptors. I think I saw it um, in the last three seasons, Joel Embiid has averaged 19 points against the Raptors. <laughs> so um, it's not just a, a one-year thing. I know a lot of people point to, oh, you know, the championship season, they beat them there, but it's not just that. <laughs> it's that they, he averages 19 points in the last three years. He had a game where he had zero points against the Raptors uh, in that bubble season. And granted, Mark Gasol was there, but even in the following years after his true shooting and his usage rate just absolutely plummets that the Raptors want to do is deny him the ball. They want to drop that usage rate and they are pretty successful doing it especially if you have a guy like Matisse there that they can just completely ignore on the offensive end that's kind of been part of it so having Matisse not available really did help the Sixers offense I thought in yesterday's game I mean they were absolutely lights out from deep they had hit five five of their five first three-pointers and we're up 17-2 in the first quarter there. Uh, and that's because, you know, you can't really help off of Danny Green, as we saw. Um, so so that's going to be something that I think helps their offense. But defensively, if they don't have someone to stop a guy like Gary Trent, it's going to be very, very difficult for them. So I just don't see where the Sixers very much benefit if the Raptors have, um, have had that much success guarding Joel Embiid. And then when Joel Embiid sits, Paul Reed, poor guy, was a minus 13, and I thought he had a great game, Um, but he was a minus 13 in his 11 minutes that he played yesterday. So, like, there's just, if if they can't really do anything when Joel Embiid sits, but also the Raptors have had the best recipe at guarding Joel Embiid, I just don't see how the Sixers can look at the Raptors as a particularly good matchup for them. You know, and I think the point about Siakam bringing out Embiid is br- it's brilliant because you're absolutely right. Watching that yesterday, uh, it's exactly what he did to him. And, and the fact that, you know, the point about the rebounding is really smart too because, you know, when you – Embiid's a, f- a forward-facing big, right? He's going to lead the league in scoring. With LeBron James not playing these last two games, he's not in that space to grab those rebounds. So it helps a team yeah. that crashes the glass, like the Toronto Raptors in that regard when you're talking about, you know, grabbing rebounds and being able to get out and run and get out of transition and make them uncomfortable – um, so it looks like we're in agreement there and it's funny. So, you know, it, it was a fantastic breakdown. We are what about 15 minutes into this now we have not mentioned James Harden, right. In terms of this matchup, oh my God. what'd you see? He has not been good. This is now six out of seven games in which he shot 40% or worse from the floor. He looks really passive. I mean, yesterday there were multiple times where he would draw a bigger guy on him. Old Harden would try to blow by him yesterday. He was resorting to just step back threes and it's what he's been doing this whole time. Uh, that's the other big facet about this, right? Amon, it's just like Harden's a shell of himself. Yeah, 
he really is. It's it, honestly like, I'm going to be honest, when the trade happened, I was all in on the Sixers. And I, I'm realizing now they played the Knicks. I should have waited for yeah. them to play a team that wasn't New York before, uh, you know, I got my hopes up for, for the Sixers team. But um, he, he just lost the step. He really can't get guy um, by guys. And yeah, Precious Achua, you know, is, is that bigger guy that we're talking about on him. And he, he's one of the quicker bigs in the league, but it's still a center on James Harden and his inability to really have that burst and that first step uh, to, to really hurt a guy like Precious who's guarding him. His, it, it's, it's, it's night and day. Like, I, I don't know this James Harden. He did not look like a superstar. He was honestly an afterthought. And Tobias Harris constantly seems yep. to be one when, when playing the Raptors. I, I almost never recognize that like, he's on the court. He just doesn't have the impact in that way um, against his team. And so if James Harden is a shell of himself, and yes, you know he had 15 assists, he, he was out there dishing, but that's not the way that James Harden beats the Raptors. That's not the way that James Harden beats a team. And if that's the James Harden that the Sixers are going to get, it's not so much about the matchup against the Raptors. There are very few teams that I would sort of pick them over. Yep. Uh, I was asked the other day, I was on, on my buddy's podcast who, who works for us out in New York, and he, he was talking about some potential playoff series. And he's like, it sounds like there's not many that you would pick Philly in right now. And I said, no, like not really. If this is the version Harden's going to get, I mean, Hell, I think Tyrese Maxey might be their second best player right now. I mean, it's 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 looking like it. <laughs> yep, absolutely. All right. So uh, before we get you out of here, uh, the awards races have been absolutely fascinating. Uh, MVP, uh, Defensive Player of the Year, uh, but Rookie of the Year, of course, is where we're going to go here. Uh, you guys got Scotty Barnes, and I like it, it, the floor is yours to make the case here because from an odds perspective, over the last couple of weeks, he's been closing the gap on Evan Mobley, and Mobley has been missing time as well. Uh, and Barnes is the hot ticket item right now in terms of potentially winning this thing and stealing it out from under the feet of one Evan Mobley. So Scotty Barnes is rookie of the year. Why? Um, I, I think Scotty said it himself. He's top five in, in every single category. I think it's top three now with the recent games played. I mean, he's, he's also contributing to a winning team uh, in a way that we're not, we, I don't know that I've really ever, like the Raptors throw him out there at point guard one night and throw him out there at center another night. And it's no big deal. And I mean, he's not doing this against terrible teams. He, he was, he was the Raptors point guard, starting point guard yesterday against the Sixers. Uh, and he was running a few sets of like, he was the initiator. He's also played center. And I, you know, one of my favorite Scotty games was him going up against a guy like Jakob Pertl, who I think is one of the better centers in this league and really holding his own there. Um, he's also just one of, one of the moments in, in yesterday's fourth quarter that I just thought was so brilliant was um, the start of it where it was, I, I think he had a catch and shoot three above the break. He followed that up with um, a pull up from the elbow. I think it might've even been a fadeaway and he was pulling up. It was him off the dribble, completely creating his own shot there. And then he finished that off um, with a pick and roll. He was just rolling to the rim and hit it off the glass and it went in and he scored six of the Raptors first uh, six baskets or uh, three baskets in the fourth quarter. And that was Scotty. That was all initiated or orchestrated by Scotty Barnes. And that's something that's so rare. Like Cade Cunningham is doing this, but he's starting, he started off late and he's doing this on a losing team. This is Scotty Barnes doing it in the fourth quarter in a must win game. Cause the Raptors really wanted to win it to hopefully see the Sixers in, in the playoffs. Um, and, and 
yes, the numbers are very similar to Evan Mobley's, but what I would sort of give Scotty the edge for is his ability to create his own offense. His ability to have the ball and do it himself is just not something that Evan Mobley can do. And yes, we're comparing a big to a wing. And I understand that there are differences there that aren't completely fair, but we're also watching Scotty do his own as a center. He's just so incredibly versatile. He's doing it on a better team, um, a better record. And if Cade started off slow and that's what we're dinging him for, I mean, Evan Mobley, sure, he's hurt, but he hasn't played the entire year. The team has looked bad since Jared Allen has gone out, even with Evan Mobley healthy and playing on the Cavs. And we just haven't seen that from Scotty this season. I'm so I've I've uh, I've got tickets on both of them, but they're both at plus prices. So whoever wins, I am happy with. But I will say that uh, the bigger ones on Scotty. So I'm I'm hoping that he actually pulls (laughs) it off. Uh, Aman, I really appreciate the time today. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, Let 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 everybody know too uh, all the work and where they can find it and everything. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so I, I co-host a podcast with a group of women. Uh, it's great. It's called Dishes and Dimes. So please check that out. It's, it's an all-women's podcast. I'm also a, a host on a Yahoo Sports Canada podcast called Friday Views that comes out every Friday. So check it out today. Um, and you can find my written work at basketballnews.com. Thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me.